0: Really? Mm. Playing so loud. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Estrogen.
1: I'm not sure if the guys are clapping because that's true or. <laughs> That might be your last clap of the morning. So go ahead and get it out, man. <laughs> and I'm sure every guy in this room came armed today with two ink pens. In Cases, wife's first one didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. I know men. <laughs> so, ladies, this is for you. Uh, service and uh, first service is interesting dynamic that takes place when uh, you have a message to women, and interesting dynamic when you have a message to men. Um, Men will laugh freely about themselves. They'll agree with you, laugh, but they dare not laugh when you talk about their wives they're afraid when they get home. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, don't be afraid. Uh, That's part of the problem uh, that's in our world today. Just uh, live freely and and communicate with each other. So today we will take a look, encourage you to grab your pens, grab your extra husband's uh, pen ladies and uh, take some notes today. We are going to address the issue, last week we looked at um, what it meant to be a leader and how we can lead as men. Today we're going to ask ladies uh, to follow. Follow, ladies follow. And even just saying that, right now many say, well, Jim, you don't know who I have to follow. You don't know. That doesn't mean it's, not, it's an exception for me because he's this and he's that. And he isn't that guy you talked about last week. And you're already in your mind, so I'm not going to follow It's real easy to take that stance instead of saying, okay, what does the word of God say regarding following? What does it mean for me as a woman in a relationship to a husband to follow and to follow well? Uh, So I encourage you today, be open to the spirit of God. And I've asked God this morning to give me some, uh, to guard my words and to do this in a gentle way and speak truth. Because you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to grow in your marriage relationship. And that's the beauty of, of being here today. And so I want to give you some instruction, ladies, some implicit instruction, what it means to follow and what it means to follow your husband as he is the head over the house and as he leads. Part of the problem is this in our world, even in Christian circles. We've taken a beautiful word that when you define it in dictionary.com or Webster's, wherever you go, even Wikipedia, when you define this word, it means something that's totally different than what the world has done with it. When you define the word feminine, it's a beautiful word, gentle, soft, and has a, 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 it connotes something special and, and, and something precious and, and, and lovely. It really does. The word feminine is a quality that ladies have and should have. They should be feminine. It's a quality that men don't have, but ladies have, and, and you should really should enjoy that quality. But what has happened is that we've taken this word and we've added to it in our world, and we've taken this beautiful word feminine, and now we've twisted it, and we've made it into this world called feminist. And so we've taken the word feminine, which connotes something really, really precious and special and lovely, and we've twisted it, to, and, and so we've thrown away the whole root word feminine because we don't want any parts of it. And so we've taken the word that was meant to be beautiful, twisted it and look at it and say, well, a feminist is someone who suppresses, someone, someone who, who doesn't want to follow, someone who wants more than equal rights, someone who wants to be the head. And we've taken this word and just twisted it to no end. The word is defined as gentle or sensitive, having qualities of beauty. But we've added to it. God has given a beautiful example in Scripture of husband and wife and what it means for a husband to lead. We looked at that last week, and now I'm going to look at what it means for a wife to follow. We saw last week in Genesis 2.18 and Genesis 2.24 that a woman is supposed to be a helper. She's supposed to come alongside, offer just as much to give insight. The head takes and thinks and discerns. It's a team working together. She becomes a helper. And the Word of God actually says in Genesis 2.18, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. In fact, you let a man alone a uh, long time all by himself in a house, it's not a good thing. House is a wreck. It's, I mean, just look at guys who live by themselves for long periods of time. It's not very pretty. So ladies, if those of you who are single, you want a great pickup line, it's okay. Go, you see a guy that you're interested in, just go up and say, hey, you're not supposed to be alone. God called me to be a helper, and it says in Genesis 2.18, I can help you. <laughs> in Jesus' name, I can help you. Genesis 2.24 says that two become one flesh. He leads in a biblical way. They leave mother and father and they unite as one. The head is responsible and she has input. She brings value. She helps the team become stronger. She, is the fem- she brings the feminine qualities. He brings the masculine qualities. And together they, br- they, they form this one strong team working together but sin has changed that sin has changed she wants to rule over her husband ladies you from the moment you woke up this morning if you weren't at your best because you got an hour less sleep or your estrogen kicked in you didn't want to listen to your husband you don't want to follow him sin from the very beginning says that the rest of your life you will struggle with the issue of following you want to rule She doesn't want to follow or submit to his leadership. So the tension begins. Who's going to lead? And so what happens, we saw last week, sometimes he leads well and she follows. Sometimes he acquiesces. He loses his head and she takes over and she leads the way. He backs away. And so you have these unhealthy relationships all across Christianity. And so Sometimes what happens a lady says I'm not going to follow him because he's not doing it well. He's lording it over me and he becomes like a Simon says leader. Simon says make me breakfast. And so you have a husband that says make me breakfast. Simon says make me lunch. Simon says clean woman clean. And so you act like you are leading over her as a Simon says. Simon says sex, sex now, sex later, sex more, sex sex sex. And it's like we have this Simon control that's not the picture of a biblical example of leading. Many of you ladies, whether you omit or not, are already on the defense when I talk about following. And if I say the next word, I'm going to say it because it's in the Bible, submit, somebody say, well, that's an old word. It's, that shouldn't even be in the Bible. It's not culturally relevant anymore. In fact, I took it out of my vows. And, and it's like, like we look at that word as, as, an, as a word Connote something that's horrible or degrading or it's like you're going to live under this this suppressed relationship that's going to push you down and so you don't even use that word it's as if it's a horrible word yet we will submit to government or we'll submit to authorities we'll submit to a, an employer we'll submit 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 but when it comes to relationship a marriage relationship we don't even like that word in fact some of you didn't even write it down I'm not writing that word I'm not going to write it I'm just not going to write it But let me give you a biblical understanding of what it means to follow. The word follow means to comply, to pursue, to accept a particular direction. It means to to comply, to follow, to pursue, to accept a particular direction. Truth be known, though, it's difficult for us or women to follow. I'm going to ask my wife to join me on the stage here, and I'm going to demonstrate uh, uh what I, I mean by this in a marriage relationship it's um, challenging for women to follow it's challenging for Anne to follow me think about it holy cow to follow me but when, when a marriage works hey honey how you doing you look good today baby <laughs> in jesus name amen let's go home <laughs> this is my beautiful bride Anne. And uh, uh, first time I saw her, and uh, I've said this before, but in music appreciation, she helped me survive a 7:30 a.m. class in college. It's the only reason I survived that class. And past, I knew she would be there. First time I saw her, though, was um, on campus of Grace College. She was in a Michigan State sweatshirt, and I'm a big Maryland fan. I, I actually consider I could be a Spartans fan. I think I could be one. <laughs> but following in a relationship, this is the picture. You're supposed to be arm in arm. You give me input. I take the input i give you input and then you say jim what are we going to do so it's easy for us to march in this direction so if i'm leading the way she's following and so it's a healthy relationship that's the picture the bible has we make decisions we're on the same mission we're leading together i'm leading and i'm following or she's following me but here's the picture of a lot of relationships Both of you have your own agenda. And so it's difficult for you to follow. And so most relationships start out like this. And so he wants to go that way. You want to go that way. And so if you begin to pull that way, and I begin to pull this way, it's a tug of, whoa. (laughs) She's good at this. (laughs) So she pulls, that's pretty good. (laughs) But this is, she's been lifting weights too. (laughs) But what happens is if, If you don't face the same direction, here's what happens, she will follow, but the only direction we go is this direction. And so we spin our tracks, we're in circles, and we're not making any traction, we're not heading on a mission, and I'm getting dizzy by the minute. But that's the picture, can you see the difference? This is what it's not supposed to look like. This is what it's supposed to look like. Thank you, honey. That's a picture of following and leading. So, what's your marriage look like? What did it look like this morning at 845? What did it look like on the way here to Grace Community Church? Was your husband a good leader? How many heads of tit children did he rip up? Come on, we're going to church, we're gonna worship God, you get ready, let's go. How many husbands sat in the driveway because he was already prepared, he knew it was an hour difference, and she forgot, and he tooted the horn in the driveway this morning? <laughs> <laughs> Grab your Bibles. We're going to look at this issue of following, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 through 6. Follow him without fear. Follow him without fear. And that's what I'm going to drive home first today. Follow him without fear. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. When you find that, stand with me and we'll read it together. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. Let's read 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. Ready, read. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold and jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. You may have a seat. Peter gives us this beautiful picture of submission. He gives us this example of a woman in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Sarah. says, be like her. And then he, he opens up with this, this, this responsibility that we have as a husband and how a wife is supposed to submit and follow him. To be quite frank, there's something magical about submission when it works well. There's just something watching a team work together watching someone lead and the rest of the team follow and join in in that adventure. adventure. It's something beautiful about that when it works well. You can see it on on athletic teams. You can see it in the workplace. And we're going to address the marriage. When a team has a leader and this husband leads and takes input and, and values the wife that he's leading, and when they're gelling together and they're going in the same direction, you can... Make traction quickly, and you can accomplish your mission. The word submission means to be under the authority and the guidance of the person taking you on a mission. But what happens is we want to undermine that mission, or ladies want to undermine that mission. It's like, well, I'm not going to submit, but the Word of God says, That submission is a beautiful thing. In order to go on this mission, you have to come under, sub, come under, and follow and accomplish that mission. But as I opened up and showed you in the beginning, when you both have your own mission, you make no traction. You just spin in circles, and you have this cycle of insanity, and sooner or later, it's just going to be butting heads, and you're getting nowhere. Submit has the idea of coming under a mission mission and saying, I will go with you, and together we'll be stronger going in the same direction. Your unsaved husband, it says, Peter says this, look back at verse 1, says your unsaved husband could be won over. If you're in a relationship where you know Christ, you came to know Christ, and he doesn't know Christ, it says he could actually be won over by your actions. He could come and say, man, there must be a God. There's got to be a God if She is willing to follow behind me. And why would that be such a, 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 something that would catch his attention? Why would that be such a strange thing? Because it's uncommon in our world for women to naturally follow their husbands. And so if you're in a marriage relationship, that post-marriage you got saved and he's unsaved, the way you live your life and your actions and following him can actually you can win him over to the Lord because he says, wow, why would a woman do that? Because everything else in the world is saying, don't do it. It's no different for us as we have to follow under and submit to authority. It's uncommon in our world. Now just think about this. Ladies, what might happen if you went to your husband after this service and you went to him and you said, I want to follow you well. I want to be the best wife follower that God has ever seen. I want to be the best helper that you've ever seen on planet Earth. I want to support you as the head of this marriage. I want you to know that when I'm away from you, I will speak highly of you, and I will follow you, and I will be your greatest confident. If you went to your husband, by the way, first you have to pick him off the floor because he's passed out. First, you have to pick him up and say, baby, come back, come back. Serious, pick him up. If you went to your husband and you said that, it would level him. Because no one wants to follow anybody in our world today. Yet, if you're willing to follow your husband, and he knows you're willing to follow, something beautiful and magical happens in a relationship. It's supposed to. Because the Word of God says women submit to the mission, submission to the path that your husband is leading. Come alongside, make him stronger, support and give uh, information. Submission isn't a rotten thing. The problem is most believe, and most women believe that if you submit your life, you will be miserable. And some of you have thought that. And right now, even the word submit, well, Jim, you don't know what it's like to submit. You do not submit to anything. You just beat people up. I can't beat anybody up. I mean, that's how you think. It's like, it's like it's going to be miserable if you have to submit. In fact, most people's analogy that comes to mind when you think about submission is UFC or MMA fighting. It's like, get him in a hold and tap out. That's like, it's, well, get him in a submit. It's like you think that your husband has to grab a hold of you and hold you until you can't breathe anymore until you tap out. Okay, baby, I'll go. That's the picture that you've put in your mind when you see the word submit. It's like it's a, hor- that is a horrible thing. What husband is going to grab a hold of his wife and hold her and say, I'm going to hold you until you can't breathe, until you say, Uncle. I mean, that's the picture. That's not the picture of biblical example that God gives us in scripture. And we dress, and I dress strongly to men last week and to ladies, if your man's touching you, you get out. That's not the picture of biblical submission that we see in the Word of God. Ann and I enjoy, I enjoy being the leader of my family. I, I, I love to lead. There's everything about me that loves to lead. Most men just love to lead. Ladies, let him lead. Don't always try to take the lead. Follow him. You will always work better and they'll have oneness in the marriage when you are following and he is leading. See, that's the problem though. You think you're gonna be miserable if, if, if you submit. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a fresh spin on the word submission. Just recently, our phone plan with Verizon um, was under contract. The two years has come up on it, and so we're due for new phones. And I was glad because I had a BlackBerry Storm. I've taken the battery out of that thing four million times. Anybody have a BlackBerry Storm? Then you take the battery out like seven million times. It just spins and spins and spins. I was so glad to get rid of that phone. I mean, I had it down. I could do it with my eyes shut when I was talking to people, pull the back off, pop the battery out, close it back up. If you had a BlackBerry Storm, you know what I'm talking about. So it's time for a new phone contract. So I have a smartphone. Helps me be connected with Grace, and I can stay in contact, collect emails if I need to be. It's not my day off, and and I have access. And so my wife has always had a feature phone, but never a smartphone. And she's had a desire to have a smartphone. But we've always said, because I was able to, it's a professional expense for me that it was cared for, that it it was a luxury. And so we're headed over to Verizon on Monday to look at, new phones and so i got an an apple iphone 4 which is it's a great phone i no longer i don't even know where the battery is on it just it just works it's great so um i'm not even going to ask for where the battery is so anyhow we're going over there and ann and i had this conversation and and she says you know i I would really like a smartphone it would help me be connected stay connected when i'm involved in areas that that need my help and stay connected to the kids and and so we talked about it and so as we're talking she said this, you know what, Jim, if we could get it for like $15 less a month for a data plan, that would be great. It would just be great if, if that could happen. And so in her mind, it was like $15 a month. It would fit into the budget. And, and so I said, well, let's, let's go take a look. So we went. We went into Verizon, walked in, and Reggie came out from behind the counter. And, uh, and so I asked him, I said, how much are the iPhones? And I said, what's the data plan cost? He said, well, it's $29.99. And Ann says, you could see it, just like, hook her head like this and, you know. And I, I sat there and thought, you know, I thought, I looked at her and I said, let's do it. I said, you've been wanting one. I said, we can make this work. Let's, let, let, let's, let's do it. And I just wanted to be generous. And she just said, no, Jim, it's, it's, it's more than what. I said, listen to me, honey. Listen to me. I lead, you follow. So she submitted in that situation. And in that act of submission was a good thing. It wasn't as if she was being suppressed. I wanted to be generous to her. I wanted her, and so she said, "Okay." And so it was just—it <laughs> was really neat as that all unfolded. Even later in the week, she, she sent me a text: "That Jim, I really love my phone. Thank you." Sometimes submission has like it's—it's it's a degrading thing that you'll be miserable. But there's many times that we have an opportunity that we're responsible for the decisions. We make them. A lot of ladies don't like it. They're, they're frugal. They're, they're coupon mamas. They, they just And so there's times, men where we can say, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's bless. And so what? If you don't have uh, enough money in the tin can behind the bed under the TV, let's do it. Even when she says we can't, I don't think so. Allow her to submit and say, I will lead. We're going to do it. Submission has all forms. It doesn't always have this ugly, miserable form that the feminists say that it should have. I'm intrigued by this passage because when I get to the end of this passage, we give an example. It says, you can win them over with, tells you how to dress. We're going to talk about that more in the series. But then you get to verse 5 and 6. When I get to verse 5 and 6, there's a part of me that says, What? Look at verse 5 again. It says this, For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Then he says this, They were submissive to their own what? Husbands. Like whom? Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her what? Daughters, if you do what is what? Right. And do not give way to what? Fear. Okay, pull away. Sarah, now, now, I'm not the brightest guy on the block, but I know my Old Testament history. Sarah, you're telling me, Peter, that you want my daughter Hannah, and you want my wife Anne, and you want women who are Christ followers. That's the example you get out of the Old Testament? Now, back up to Sarah a little bit. Sarah was the same woman who let her husband Abraham lie to a king and say that she was his sister. And so they went before the king, and Abraham looks at the king and says, "Yeah, that's my sister," and he was married to her. And he was so that he could get favor in his eyes and get an advantage in the eyes of the king. She let that happen twice. I'm like, well, why in the world would I? I don't. I don't, Hannah. I don't want you to lie. And I don't want you to be like Sarah. Wait a minute, Peter, what are you saying here? Then, think about this. You remember when Abraham and Sarah couldn't get pregnant, or Sarah couldn't get pregnant, and God said, you're going to have a child, and they tried, 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 and they couldn't have a child? You remember what she did? She says, hey, see that maid servant over there? She's young, she's fertile. Go sleep with her, and then we'll have a baby. Wait a minute. You want me to follow Sarah? Ladies, you want to be like Sarah? Who told her husband to commit adultery? Who told her husband to go beyond God's will and sleep with someone else and she would work it out? You want me to be like her? And I, I got to admit, when I look at it, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. God, are you sure? Was there like, are there some words that are missing here in the Greek? But then I, after I began to look at this, here's why I believe. Here's why we can look at Sarah and you can be a daughter of Sarah and look at her example because she wasn't perfect. Truth be known, neither are you and I. Truth be known that she had some moments in her relationship with God and her husband where it wasn't very pretty. But if you look at the overall pattern of her life, she repented, she did what God wanted her to do and when God made her pregnant she laughed about it a lot of women laugh about crazy things like that i mean when she gave birth to the baby at greencroft they laughed there it was i mean she said okay god if you're into this i'm into this and so the overall pattern of her life was faithfulness and so he says be like sarah She followed God and trusted God. And when she failed, she repented. She got back up. God restored her. I like that pattern because he doesn't set a perfect example out there. But then he says this. He says, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to what? What's the word? Fear. That's the crux of submission. That's why, ladies, you don't like to follow. That's why you don't even like the word submit. That's why you don't even want to hear me say submit, 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 submit. Because somewhere in your mind, it's like if I submit, if I allow this to take place, then you somehow feel that you become Vulnerable. And when you become vulnerable, you're weak and susceptible and he'll rule over you. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, that same, same idea and fear has been going on for thousands of years. You're fearful that if you submit and you follow, that you leave yourself wide open for him to just lord over you. And here's why. Because maybe you have a time in your past where you did that in a relationship, or maybe in this relationship, and he didn't do such a good job. And you say, well, if I follow him here, I know where I end up, and I'm not doing it. I'm going this way. And so there's this fear, that service, and Peter says, hey, don't let that fear rule you. See, most women that continue to allow that to happen are women who have seen a father who was abusive, Mean and considerate, like we talked about last week, harsh and foolish. Maybe your husband was that way once, and so there's no way you would ever, ever submit and follow a man again because they've always done you wrong. They've used you and thrown you out on the curb, and it's hard for you to trust. And Peter says, Listen, trust your husband if he's following God and you're following God and Christ is at the center. There's something magical about that. But truth be known, you shut down. And you do not want to follow because you let fear rule your lives. And isn't that what I showed last week? And if that doesn't happen, here's what happens. You're in this relationship. You're supposed to be together, walking along. He's supposed to be leading. You're supposed to be following. But what happens is when he's not following for a variety of reasons where he acquiesces and he's a coward, and, 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 or he's a chauvinist, in this case, a coward, he loses his head. And so you become the head and you rule. You like that position. You become the head. And that's not the picture. You're supposed to follow him. The picture is you follow, you join in this journey. You, some, you come under this mission that God has placed on this relationship. And you say, baby, with you, I'll go anywhere. That's the picture that God gives in the Bible. But fear keeps you from doing that. Ladies, live out of your faith and not your fear. God always honors faith. He longs for a husband to lead in a godly way. In many marriages, the roles have been reversed, and God will not bless. 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 bless. You see, here's the truth. When your husband knows you expect great things from him and you will follow him, he comes alive and it motivates him. I love when my wife Ann comes and she says, Jim, I believe in you. Jim, I think, I think you can do it. So it's like a like stuff comes out of me, woo! It's like I've been laying dormant, all she has to do is say, I'm going to follow you, and we're going to accomplish the world together in Jesus' name. Let's go, baby. Where do we go? Where us we go? (laughs) And when you speak that into your man, into your husband, instead of always criticizing what all he's doing wrong, when you pour into him, instead of operating out of fear and saying, I'm going in the opposite direction, when you go to your man and says, I believe in you, and I expect great things from you, and so does God, and I know you can do it, and we're going to conquer the world. Guys, am I right about that? You come alive when your wife speaks to you that way. Short and sweet is this, I'm following. Just a reminder, the husband is the head of the family. Government is above him. God is above him. So you might say, well, Pastor Jim, I can't follow my husband. He wants to lead me into sin. Listen, I'm not telling you to follow your husband into sin. If he's doing something that breaks the authorities of the law and he's asking you to join in that journey, don't go there. You can say, no, I'm not going to do it. That's anti-God. God, that's sin. I won't do it. But if he's asking you to, to, to follow in a direction that he believes God has laid on his life and it's gray area, and you're like, well, I'm not real certain. You follow him. Hear me today, ladies. Make this certain too. For those of you who are thinking about marriage, for those of you who are single, and you're saying, you know, I'm looking for a man that I can marry. Make sure of this. Make sure you agree with the direction of his life before you get married. Here's why. I've had many people that I've sat with and talked to. It's like they come and they say, well, when we dated, he never told me he wanted to go to Africa and eat June bugs under a tent. He didn't tell me that. He just said he loves me. Now he wants to take the kids. He wants to put us on the other side of the world and your estrogen kicks in. It's like, I'm not sure I want to go on that mission. Guess what? It's too late. If he believes that's what God wants, and he's talked to you, and God is leading him, and it's not a sin issue, and he says, pack up the tent, bring the mosquito spray, get a, get a, a shot from malaria, we're going to Africa, baby, and we're tipping toe through the tulips. Get that one settled before you get married. So how do you do that? You ask this guy that you're considering, hey, so what do, you, what do you think you would like to do in five years? Where do you see yourself in five years? What are some interests that you have? What are your goals for your life? Where would I fit in that picture? How many malaria shots am I going to have to take? I shared this a f- uh, couple weekends ago at Wild at Heart, and I'll do it in private or in public. The one thing of many things that I love about my wife is that she told me she will follow me. I'm telling you, wives, your wife, as, when you as a wife go to your husband and say, I will follow you wherever God takes us, it fires him up. And be quite frank, my wife has had to follow me on many crazy adventures. She's joined in, and I love it. She gave up family and left her family. We were open. God put a call in our lives for ministry. We were open from East Coast to West Coast. We didn't know where we would end up, which meant we would pull ourselves away from grandparents. And when she would have kids and I would have kids with her together, that meant that that would remove that grandparent influence probably for their entire lives, just a hit and miss. And you know what she told me? She said, Jim, I will follow you anywhere. Women, wives. Your husband needs to know that. He needs to know that you will follow him. If the spirit of God came upon his heart and he spoke to you and took information in and the spirit says, this is the direction. And if that meant you were to uproot because you, that God felt like in your husband's heart that this is a direction and it's not a sin issue. You, and you go to him and say, I will follow you. It just lights him up. But here's the problem. You don't like to follow when it's uncomfortable. So the Word of God gives us an example to submit, to follow, to follow after them. So, ladies, make sure you follow and follow well. Secondly, speak well of Him when you follow Him. Let, let me speak for men today your man wants to know your man wants to know that he has what it takes and your man wants to know that you think in your mind that he is a champion your man wants to know and think that you think that he is the gladiator he does he does he won't admit that to you but i'll admit it for him he needs you he won't tell you that but he does Even the Word of God says he'd be a sad, all alone boy if he had to call marriage on his life. He needs help. He won't tell you he needs help. But the Word of God says he needs a helper, but he won't tell you that. He needs you. A man goes to his wife to offer his strength, he does not go to her to get it. Now, think through that a second. He needs to be validated regularly. He needs to know that you believe that he is the champion. He needs to know that you love him. He doesn't need you to remind him how much he does wrong. He doesn't need you to remind him if he did this, it would be better. Or if he did that, things would be better. He doesn't need this barrage of why he should be doing other things. All he needs to know is that you love him and that you will follow him. He wants to believe that he has what it takes. Your words will make or break your marriage. In fact, Ephesians 5.33 says it this way. Wives, you must, the word must, respect your husbands. You've heard me say this before. It's real easy for us to say, we must show unconditional love. Everyone understands that. Well, they deserve unconditional love love they deserve unconditional love they deserve it's okay for us to give unconditional love it's like we don't have a problem with that but when we say give unconditional respect wives are wait a minute he didn't earn it i said wait a minute there's nothing about earning here the word of god says you must respect and when you do though ladies in a gentle kind way and he's leading it makes him come alive and it makes him want to be more christ-like You must be the primary source of telling him he's the man. You must encourage your leader with your words in private and in public. That means in prayer circles, even with your friends and ladies. That means in prayer meetings that you don't raise your hand and say, my husband, he needs prayer. He's really failing. And I wish he was more like, and I just, let's pray for him now. Oh, please God. My husband's miserable. And I'm just, I have a hard life. That's not prayer. That's condemnation. When you're in circles, ladies, when you're out having some fun and you're with other ladies, do you talk poorly about your husband? Don't do it. Another thing, ladies, here's another thing. When you have a problem in your marriage relationship, it's like, and you have an issue with your husband, don't call your mom and talk about it. It's like, I'm calling mom, mom, understand? And so you call mom up. Mom, Jimmy just keeps doing this, And she's on the other end. Oh no, it's just horrible. And just, here's what happens. He goes to visit. And all she remembers is all the, the miserable stuff that, that he's done to his daughter. And he walks in and there's mom. She gives him the eyes like, whoa, where'd that come from? Listen to me. If you have a problem in your marriage, don't call your mommy. Talk to your husband. Go to him and say, we need to talk if this isn't going to work then we need to meet with a counselor your mommy is not your counselor i have seen great men with great potential just dry up because of a nagging complaining gossiping wife in fact scripture tells us in proverbs 21 in verse 9 it says this it's better to live on the corner of a roof Than share a house with a coarsome or nagging wife. When you really think about that, I often wonder, sometimes I think in my very best, worst moments, um, if we could see that in the heavenlies, if we were able to metaphorically drive through a neighborhood, if we were able to see that what it would look like, if you could drive through the neighborhood and say, check that guy, he's up on the roof. There's another guy up on the roof. There's another guy up on the roof. Now, just think about that. This guy's filling out an application for work or he's filling out a, a credit card purchase and they always ask for your address. Guys that live with wives like that, know what they write for address? They just put C-O-R. It's like, C-O-R? What's C-O-R? Corner of roof. That's where I live. Now, seriously, have you ever went to a, 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 a wedding and taken a gift or have you ever seen this on the wish list of a bride-to-be have you ever seen, hey, we have, go to Target and buy, and, it's, and you walk and you go back in the hardware and you buy a ladder and a sleeping bag. Can you imagine just coming to the wedding? What the world? You got a ladder and a sleeping bag going to the wedding for? C-O-R, baby, C-O-R. That's the picture. We're not supposed to ladies. You're not supposed to be quarrelsome, you're not supposed to be nagging. Your words are supposed to bring refreshment to him. And when you do, you destroy him. It puts decay in his bones. Proverbs 12:4: "A disgraceful wife is like decay in the bones." Your words are powerful, incredibly powerful. Not only do they destroy, or can they destroy, they can build up. Use your mouth for a good reason. Let me demonstrate this to you. Some women have this picture in their lives. They have the husband who leads. And they don't want him to lead, and he's not doing a very good job. And so they use their mouths for not very good things. That's from Mrs. Potato Head. That's the picture. Now, listen, if your mouth is giving praise, if your mouth is speaking truth, he's going to say, speak, baby, speak. Speak. But if it's quarrelsome, it's nagging. It dries him up. By the way, it was great drilling a hole in Barbie's head this morning. Anyhow. <laughs> words are strong. They breed life or death, Proverbs tells us. He needs to know that you're going to pour strength into him with your words. He needs to know that you believe in him. He doesn't need you to emasculate him and to cut off his manhood. If you do it enough, he becomes domesticated and tame and his wild heart dies. The church is loaded with men. Who have had wives who have berated their husbands who have, who have taken the lead who who walk above and serve and aren 't willing to, to be on this submission path that he wants to go on and so you have these dried up men who have this wild heart or heart in them that 's just went away and they 're tame and domesticated and the women love it listen that 's not the picture of the word of God you see you have been cursed with the with sin that says, I want to rule over him. I want to dominate my man. And the reason you do that when the sin comes to the top is because you're afraid to be vulnerable. You're scared how he might lead. You fear getting crushed again. And it's difficult to open your heart to him and let him lead. Listen to me, ladies, make him your hero. Allure him. Every man wants to be a gladiator. Every man wants to believe that his wife wants to follow him on this journey and join him on this adventure. Show him you want him. Tell him you want him. And when you're in public, don't say things like, oh, I wish he was more like this guy. It's like, you have the best. This is your man. And sometimes ladies are always comparing, I wish he was more like this. Don't make him think that he's not man enough. Speak life into him. Tell him you will follow him. Become his cheerleader. Two things happens, ladies. Two things happens to you. When you decide to give into your flesh, and when you decide to walk in the path of sin instead of following your man, you default to two kinds of following. One is domineering. You just take the lead. You, you, dom, you want to dominate over your husband. The other thing that happens to you when you default is you become desolate. You become a doormat. And so we have all these ladies who won't follow in a, in a way that Christ wants. And so they default two different directions. Last week we saw men, they go chauvinist and they go cowardice. Now you have ladies, they go, they go domineering or they go desolate. And so how does that unfold? What does that look like? When you do what you shouldn't do, how does that unfold? Are there areas, when I read through these metaphors of women, will there be areas that you say, wow, i, I got to do a better job? What does a dominating woman look like? Or how about nagging Nancy? She points out every fault. The husbands are henpecked, and junior high boys could beat them up and steal their lunch. Their husbands carry barf bags because they're nauseous all the time of hearing the nagging. Every man rolls their eyes when she walks into the room and cheers when she leaves. Every man picks up the Cheetos and puts his feet back on the coffee table when she walks out. She just nags, 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 and she gets her way. She dominates the relationship she wants to lead, and she'll nag him until he goes to C-O-R. Then you have Mary, the manipulator. She wants to tame her man. You use everything under the sun to get your way. You take his Jeep and you sell it. You show him how he is constantly at fault, even if he isn't. You don't let him ride his motorcycle anymore because he should sell it and pay for the child's education. You make your husband pee sitting down because he dare not splash in the bathroom. You can be mean. That's funny. (laughs) You can be mean, angry. And you can cuss with the best sailor that's ever lived. Your children have learned to say, yes, mama, yes, mama, yes, mama. Then you have Kathy, the controller. They don't trust anyone. They drive their husbands everywhere. They run the house with an iron fist. They don't ask for help in the kitchen because no one could do it as well as you can. They suggest different routes when the husband is driving. They tell him to turn here and turn there and you're about to blow a fuse. They find validation through their kids' accomplishments. And they have these bumper stickers all over the back of their vehicles that says, my child was student of the month at Chamberlain Elementary. Then you have the other dominating lady. I wear the pants in the family, Priscilla. Priscilla. She literally wears Levi 505s with a flannel shirt. The husband sits in the corner, falling asleep with the vacuum hose. He sleeps with Dora the Explorer doll. She makes all the decisions. She sends in the message, I do not need you. She is no longer soft and gentle. And she watches her boys play baseball. She chews tobacco with the men and spits. But she is. I wear the pants in the family, Priscilla. Then you have holding out till I want what I want, till I get what I want, Harriet. She uses sex to get her way. She's really good at it. She knows her husband cannot go long without it. Yet their sex doesn't last longer than a bull rider at a rodeo. Sex is a dog bone she gives her husband if he's a good little boy. Then you wonder why your husband becomes distant and quiet and aloof as a leader. Your marriage gets destroyed by a woman at work, a woman in the the recreation, a woman at the gym, a woman across the street, because this woman shows him attention and says, wow, you're something else. You make him feel like he has nothing to offer you. Then you have desolate women who go the opposite direction. You have needy Nellie. She's not harsh. She's just shut down. After years of living with a pig of a husband. She can't think for herself. She has no self-worth. And she can barely care for her own needs. Let alone be a helpmate for a husband. She has hollow eyes. And she will drain the life out of you. Because she doesn't believe in herself. Then you have depressing Debbie the doormat. This is a lady who dresses in baggy clothes with no color. She is seen in public and looks like a whipped puppy. Her lights are off and her husband spends all of this time trying to make her come alive, but to no avail. She constantly worries about everything. She worries about her kids. She worries about getting diseases. She has phobias about everything. Her boys wear bike helmets to school and have to sit in the class with them. Her husband feels uninvited in her presence, and she does whatever she can to keep him away. He no longer has someone to share his victories with, no one to cheer him on. The husband begins to die a slow, slow, slow death. Then you have nothing here for you, Heidi. This woman who never had a father in her life to tell her that she was beautiful. She just goes through the motions. She gets married because she knows that it'll help feed the kids and put a roof over her head. She lets men use her because of sex, because she really feels useless, but it gets her another meal. It provides for her. She doesn't have to work if she finds a man. She could be the most beautiful woman in the world, but when she looks in the mirror, she doesn't see it. She marries loser men and lets them rule over her. And then you have religious Robin. She hides in her prayers. She is always doing good works for others. She's tired and worn out though. Her heart is shut down and she memorizes scripture and is quick to serve everywhere and point out all the reasons why her kids would never be part of this group because she needs to teach them. She needs to be the authority. She needs to protect them. She controls every environment that her family would ever be in. Her kids are followers of her, yet her heart for God is cold, even though she does all these other things. She shuts her husband out with her Bible and the nod of her head. On the outside, everyone wants to be her, but at home, no one can stand her. Then you have makeup, Martha. This is the woman that that dresses with fashion. She wears makeup in the newest shoes. She smiles, her kids are dressed in impeccable ways. She signs them up for every extracurricular activity on planet Earth. And when she looks in the mirror, she sees failure, she sees ugly, she sees fat, which turns to eating disorders. She thinks she isn't pretty enough for her husband, so she could never meet his needs sexually. She spends her time watching "The Bachelor." Every other man looks at her. And says, "Wow, you got quite a wife," and yet he is dying from lack of attention. She maxes out the credit card and she shopper of the month at QVC. And then you have the true fathers, ladies, who looks at their man and their husband and says, "You, the man, I love you." She puts great expectations on him. She says, I need you. I need your strength. I believe in you. Let me complete you. I will follow you and cheer you on anywhere. I'm in it for the long haul, so take a good look. I'm with you till death parts us. I respect you. Let's. Advance the kingdom of God in a forceful way and let's take back ground that Satan has stolen from us in this marriage that's what your husband needs and longs for and if you give that to him and he gives his leadership to you it is incredible Lord help us Help us, God, to lead well as men. Lord, I pray for the ladies in this room. I pray, God, that they would battle against the flesh that says, I can't submit. I can't come under authority. That says, I need to rule. That says, I need to be a doormat. And help them to see that through Christ and in Christ, they are beautiful. And that when two come together as one, trusting in God and marching together, they don't spin in a circle. They advance and they go on this mission and they take up ground. Jesus, I pray for breakthrough today. I pray for good conversations after this service. I pray, Lord, that the marriages in this room and across the internet and across our world would be the way that you want them, God. Please, Jesus, give us a good day. Give us wisdom. Give us grace. Give us courage to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.